the nineties was a time of mascots. Mm, yeah, I could see that. Rad mascots with sunglasses, hats on backwards, and skateboards. <laughs> like, what if Zach Morris was a furry? It's Encyclopedia Brunch. My name is Tim Dobbs. With me, as ever, her name, Catherine Kogert. That's my name, and it's so great to be here. Yeah. What's new with you, kid? Oh, not a whole heck of a lot. Just sort of chilling. Um, I've sort of become a snowman. Uh, oh. Yeah. Now yeah. that's fun. You know what I love about being friends with a snowman? They always have a carrot snack. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, it, I get just the one. Like, I'm definitely willing to share. I don't want to be greedy about this. But keep in mind, just the one. Uh, See, I hate I'm this part. I'm hungry, though. I know. And I want to. Yeah, no, it's fine. Have it. I want to be. I want to be gracious. This is this is one of the tricky ways in which uh, snowman socialization is is has wealth bound up into it you see like uh-huh. if i had a lot of noses then i could just sort of give those out and i could feel good but it always just feels bad when i'm giving away it's my one like, nose we gave you all that coal and like we can't use the coal because and, now it's wet but, but, yeah no no and, and i appreciate it listen no one appreciates what you've given me more than me um but i do like smelling things and also the aesthetics of my face get real weird without that carrot also the top hat top hat trust me i love yeah, it you can keep that yeah i don't need a top hat for any reason why did you have a top hat and cole what are you from the 30s oh because yeah i used to be fred astaire oh well anyway it's the snowman and fred astaire show and this week we're talking about restaurants uh those rooms where people might feed you uh it's technically true yes yeah is that fair i mean how, how what is a restaurant how would you describe it a uh, restaurant is a place where you go to sit down and uh grab some some hot bites and some cool sips I mean, of a drink you are definitely describing an applebee's or a tgi fridays like which are restaurants they are restaurants i just like it, it, it's just like when you're here your family <laughs> I love That's it. That's what I describe a restaurant as. You're branding as you go. It's perfect. <laughs> um, it's interesting you say uh, you, you have to sit down. I mean, was that just a, a slip of the tongue or do you think sit down, non-sit down restaurants are not restaurants? I, I mean, I guess technically they are. But if you ask me to describe a restaurant to an alien, I'd be like, you go to a place and you go and you stay at the place and you eat at the place and then you leave hmm. as a starting point, as a starting point. And then I'd be like, well, some places you can go and get the food and then leave without eating the food there. Right. Um, yeah. And then some places you can, like, drive your car alongside and the food gets transferred. Um, yes. And then... Not through your crazy alien teleportation. We don't have that technology here, aliens. And then they'll just be like, oh, bleak blork? But blork blop. Well, yeah, no, that's a good point. <laughs> Boy, those aliens really know how to skewer us for our uh, our strange <laughs> cultural practices. 
<laughs> they're they're like very strong debaters. Um yeah, no, I I think that's fair. I think well so so the tradition of uh restaurants is born out of I had always thought of it as having been born out of sort of uh, inns, sort of uh, places for travelers to stop and eat. Because yeah, like, like a public house. Mm, well, no, 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 no. So a public house uh, in the like the the UK tradition is also like a community place, like it's a meeting place, which is different than like a traveler's inn, right? Does is that difference? Not necessarily, according to uh some public house readings that i did previous to this uh episode okay um yeah so apparently the like quality of public houses was under question and so like in the 1300s king richard i think uh put up a proclamation saying like oh no you have to have a sign that says that you're a public house so that ale testers know to come in and taste your ale and see if it's okay or not. Man, how do I get that job? Uh, uh, you probably just. You probably poisoned. have to drink a lot of bad beer. Yeah, it's probably actually pretty awful. Yeah, um, it's a lot of travel. Ale testers, interesting. Okay, wait. So you have to have the sign so that the ale testers can come by. So this was like the first um, uh, uh, health department assessment, like with a little sign yeah. in the window. Yeah. Huh. Well, that's neat. Um. In in that reading, uh, was where did they say specifically that like travelers come here or like how how was the public house pitched in that reading? I didn't I didn't read about public houses. Um, really. Yeah, yeah. So the idea is that because it's not like a it's a place for travelers, um, because it's some place that people just go by and it's not a community house public house where people go to it over and over and over again. Um, you need to like the ale can then be suspect. Oh, right. Because, because it's just a tourist trap, basically. It is a tourist. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Huh. You know, it never occurred to me that that's what that's the the nuance of a tourist trap is that people only go by once. So, like, there's no way for the uh, the market forces to push a tourist trap out of business. Yeah. All you have to do is be interesting enough such that somebody who is tired and has been traveling for a long time will say, oh, that seems like it's worth stopping for. Mm. And also, I would love to stop anyway. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The real service you're providing is stopping. Mm-hmm. The, the, the main, the main uh, asset of a uh, tourist house is, can you sit here? I'd like to sit. <laughs> exactly. Hmm. Well, so that's interesting. So, so, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that idea makes sense to me. Like, if I was traveling... I mean, even while I'm traveling now, you know, if I'm on a road trip from a... Uh, you know, the uh, San Francisco to L.A. or something like, yeah, that uh, that Kettleman City in and out gets a lot of business because it's just like, yeah, I've been driving all day and I'm I'm going far enough that uh, I'm going to need to eat somewhere along the way. And packing your own food is a toil. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe you, you run out of food and then you need a place to refresh your provisions. Right, right. Because, I, you know, in the, in the greater sense, like... Well, okay, for the day, it's not so bad, but for multiple days. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so then the other thing I read, though, uh, is kind of the other way that I was thinking about uh, a public house, like a pub, um, which is that, like, oh, it's sort of the living room for the for the community, which is really yeah, nice. Yeah, it's a third space. Oh, got to have those third spaces. Uh. Uh, although I think, you know, so I was reading that um, in, like, uh, ancient Roman and Greek cities, which had a, a, 
a large public life, you know, like the marketplace, all that, that was like important to, uh, to those cultures. Uh, they would have like little areas where, yeah, it would, you know, it was almost like a street cart or something with some stools and you could like sit around and chat with people there. And it was an important part of the like social scene there because it, it, it was a, it was a third place. It was a way to like see other people without having to like go to their house or have them come over or yeah. Man, I just, I'm always struck with what social creatures we are. It's true. We're, uh, we just need places to sit and then talk to each other. Well, yeah, but I mean, there's, I think there's, I don't know if you have this experience at all, but like, uh, so I, I living in San Francisco, um, you know, like I live in a pretty small apartment. It's not like built for hosting, you know, like we can host, but it's not like, you know, we have several parlors and guest rooms and everything lined out for like, oh yeah, well people will just come by. It's not like that. Yeah. Um, and so when I think about seeing friends, I always think like, oh, let's just find a bar or a coffee shop or like, yeah, let's get lunch or something. It's always, yeah, out there in one of those like socially defined uh, restaurants. Um, and it feels very, very intimate to have someone over or uh, go to their place. Like, I don't know that I would just suggest that with like just an acquaintance or something like, oh, why don't you just come over yeah. and we'll like, you know, sit on my couch. And stare into each other's eyes. Mm, uh, Not romantically. Yeah. You see. No, this is. We're just being cool, cool bros who are just hanging out. Totally <laughs> normal. This is an extremely intimate. Don't worry about it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like that. Which. um, So you see my trouble here <laughs> is that I'm, I'm yeah. fumbling and, and fobbing and like, you know, uh, kind of just uh, making so many social gaffes along the way. It's it's as though I'm, oh, a nerd in a sitcom. Yeah, it's like you're you're kind of Mr. Magoo. <laughs> well, that that presumes that I'm gonna get out of this thing. <laughs> I think you've gotten out of plenty of things, but being completely blind to social forays. I mean, not you specifically, but but the the general you. Yeah, we all we. That's true. I think uh, our. At least for me, but I, I think this this probably ap- applies fairly broadly. Is that uh, the what our anxiety tells us is going wrong? It's like, eh, listen, there's a little wiggle room in this. Like, it's okay for not every social interaction to be perfect. Mm-hmm. I think my anxiety is like, up, oh, oh, you messed up once. They're never going to talk to you, and given the chance, they'll murder you. And it's not really that way. Oh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> well. <laughs> I mean, let's also remember that we are above average in anxiety. Sure. Um, all right. Well, let's go uh let's let's go uh breathe deeply. And we'll be back in a moment. Encyclopedia like brunch. <sighs> And we're back on Encyclopedia Brunch, talking about restaurants, places to eat. They're, I mean, still, that's where we're at, places to eat. Um, we were talking about how uh, it kind of makes sense to just, like, the way restaurants grew up makes sense. You either need just a place outside of the home to eat uh, because you're traveling or because you'd like to socialize. And it's like, I think 
kind of what both those have in common is that like preparing food, it turns out it takes a lot of infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm in the middle of a move right now and <laughs> I find myself packing up a kitchen and being like, wow, like there's so many, like a kitchen specifically is the place where you're like, I just kind of want to set it up like in a way that like is sensical to me and that like I know how to use these tools and you want to always know where everything is. And just as I, I'm packing and putting stuff away, I'm thinking a lot about all these specific tools I have that like, but I really like my garlic press, but I really <laughs> like my lime juicer. <laughs> sure. Yeah. This is a, uh, you need different things to press things in certain ways. Mm hmm. Well, yeah, I'm always interested in getting that good, good juice out of whatever it is. Mm hmm. Yeah. Just like we do on the show. Let's yeah. get all that good topic goo out of these topics. Um. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a gross show. What are you going to do? So, so yeah. So, I don't know. I think that's, that's in a lot of ways, that's that was our big advantage, right? We're social creatures, you know, and we're figuring out how to cook food. And it turns out, like, oh, this is a real to-do. But, like, once you've got the system in place, uh, it's, like, really great because you can get more energy out of your food if it's cooked and prepared. Um, hey, thumbs up. But when you're traveling or uh, you want to host... It's like both are cases where you're like, I do not have the bandwidth to be cooking right now. Can someone else please do this? Um, so that I like, I don't know. That makes sense. I imagine that there have been versions of this since uh, time immemorial. What do you think? Do you think restaurants probably go back that far, or like some form of a restaurant? I guess like I was really surprised um, to learn that the first restaurant tour um, was in like the mid 1800s, in theory. Uh, like I, this whole, this whole legend is under question now. Uh, but the first restaurant tour was a man named Boulanger, uh, that's B-O-U-L-A-N-G-E-R in Paris. And then he made soups and he advertised them as, um, restoratives, meaning that the broth or whatever is very restorative to you. Mm. Um, and so that kind of got sent through the French machine and then it came <laughs> out as restaurant. <laughs> Tell me more of this French machine. Is this uh, what, what does it do? <laughs> do the French well, own it? You put Wonder Bread into it, and then baguettes come out. Ooh la la! C'est magnifique. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so you're saying you're selling me this French machine for just five easy installments of 1999? Uh six. Six. I mean, yeah. Is that okay? <laughs> We've really got to work on your infomercial pitch. Please, please for me, your buddy. Oh, for you, of course. We'll all do anything for you. All right, then it's eight easy payments. What? Oh, nineteen ninety-five. Well, I saved a little there. I think it was ninety-nine to start. So, with a little quick math, yeah, that's... yeah, I'm giving you a discount. Oh, well, thank you so much. Oh, it's a good thing I can't do math because I've become so obsessed with this French machine. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think that's like, that's the first modern version of like what we, what we think of as a restaurant. It's not just like a big table where they're like, yeah, there's a bunch of food out or it's not like some benches where you can sit. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a place with individual tables and a menu and, uh, you will go there even if you're like within walking distance of home. You're not like out there just for, you know, uh, you, you just want to go, which, yeah. yeah. That's like super late, right? Like that's surprising to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess like 
it's incredible to me how how modern modern convenience really is. Yeah, very modern. Like, uh, yeah, they were living in a very different world in the 1700s. Yeah, I mean, there wasn't light, right? So you're like, well, it's dark out, I guess. Yeah, did you, I mean, electrification came to rural parts of the United States in like the 50s. Like, hmm. and I mean, at, by that point, there were like, you know, it wasn't so lighting gas was like fairly plentiful but like still like i don't know i would have not not uh not bothered as much if i didn't have just a light switch uh yeah yeah absolutely i think it just like you know i bet you're thinking about the oil that you're burning and how much that's costing you right um whereas just turning on a light bulb that's like oh yeah no i paid probably let's say let's say if you pay a 20 dollar electrical bill divide that over 30 days uh, and then that's like less than a dollar a day you're paying. And yeah. then like you have the lights on all day. Yeah. Uh, Planet Money did an episode on this, uh, this about, um, a metric for like how developed a society is, is how cheap lighting is. And yeah. like, it's just been a real hockey stick here. Like, boy, we can just light everything for super cheap because we don't even have to make the candles. Like, like we're, we're, s- so many steps away from, you know, the 1700s. Uh, yeah, we're in Yankee Candle territory here, where right. our candles are for luxury only. <laughs> Get those good smells. Visit Christmas Ugh, They're town. so gross. Pretty gross. I hate Yankee Candle. I'm sorry. Uh, no apologies necessary. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think restaurants are actually, they're like another another like demonstration of just how advanced we're getting because it seems like so you go to a restaurant like when when do you go to a restaurant uh more often than i'd like to Mm. so like what are the tell me about a case where you kind of wish you didn't go but you did like you you Uh, wish you had done something let's see for lunch today i started packing and then i kind of got caught up in packing and then i was very very hungry and i was like ugh. I don't want to lift an arm to cook something. Also, I'm in the middle of packing up a kitchen. Mm-hmm. Let's just go to a restaurant. Seems reasonable. Um, yeah. Well, so I don't know. I think that's that's most the case often for me as well. Like I eat out a lot more than I used to uh, because right now I'm working in a job where like, yeah, I'm like super busy all the time and um, and quite far from home. And so it's just like, ah, I'll just stop somewhere and pick up something. Uh, and so now I'm like starting to learn like, uh, what what are the places I like to eat around here? Which has always been quite foreign to me. Um, I, in the past, I remember people asking me like, oh, what are your favorite like restaurants in town? I'd be like, I don't really know. I don't eat out that much like here and there. But, and now I'm just like, well, so if you ever find yourself in San Carlos, California, uh, let me list for you all the different falafel places and how relatively (laughs) good their falafels are. Okay. Please do so now. Oh, uh, let's see. So there's there's the one pretty close to the train station. Um, that place has kind of like a nice cool decor. Uh, but other, other than that, I don't know. Nothing too special. They're fast. Um, then there's the one that's kind of... I don't remember the names of any of these. <laughs> there's the ones that's kind of in the foothills, like as it starts to go up. That one has lots of toppings, which I love. The falafel itself, not that great. But the toppings, yeah. so many toppings. Toppings are adjacent to sauce. Yeah, that's true. That's really true. Sauce is just a liquefied topping. Yeah. 
Um, and uh, then there's several other ones. Um, <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Well done. It's a great list. Well, yeah, I don't know. I think it's, it, that's the thing. It's like, I don't know how much I care. It's mostly just out of a convenience thing. Like, in the moment, I'll decide based on how I kind of how I feel. But like, I don't know. Despite what I just did, I'm not about to make a whole list of falafels and put it on my blog. Or your vlog. Yeah, or my aug, which is an audio log, also known as a podcast. <laughs> I would have thought that would have been a rog, no. a radio vlog. Well, no, because a vlog is a video log, so yeah. Okay. We don't All call right. it a, a vlog. It was already unpronounceable enough. Eh, you're right, you're right. Let's stop making words that are hard to pronounce. For once. Please. Let's put our foot down. Do it for me. And while you're doing it for me, we'll be back in a minute on Encyclopedia Brunch. And we're back on Encyclopedia Brunch talking about restaurants. Yeah, restaurants, yeah. Applebee's. Uh, yeah, do you like an Applebee's? What's the slogan for Applebee's right now? Do you know? Uh, no, the last one I remember is eating good in the neighborhood. Uh, that was. Oh, that was a good one, though. Yeah. Was it? I don't know. Uh, what's the slogan for Red Lobster right now? Uh... Is this you want? Red Lobster is still around, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. Despite it having closed in my hometown, uh, and then a bunch of other failed businesses going in and out, and the Olive Garden suspiciously alive the whole time. I suspect the Olive Garden in these restaurant murders. Oh, people love Olive Garden. People love bottomless breadsticks Mm. and salad and pasta. It's the bottomless pasta. People love carbs. Yeah. People love carbs. Man, Olive Garden is not good at all. You don't like the Olive Garden? I hate Olive Garden. I feel like I feel like it's basically ketchup they're giving you as marinara. You think so? I haven't been in so long. That's um uh yeah, that's what I remember is just terrible marinara. Could be. The the last thing I remember getting there is uh like a four cheese, basically macaroni dish. It was just a lot of cheese melted and some pasta. Um, Ew. I, I remember it being kind of good. just mac and cheese, basically. Yeah, people like that. What's your problem here? The thing is, like, I feel like I could make better pasta with, like, classico bottled pasta sauce and, like, pasta that I cooked for, like, less than 10 minutes. Well, so... To what extent do you go to restaurants because you can make better food? And to what extent do you go because it's convenient or, um, yeah, or just like you want to meet someone or what have you? I guess my feeling is that, like, the restaurant should be able to make food as good as I can or better. Um, and then but, and then when it's at that mark, it's like, because of convenience, I'm going here. And then if it's above that mark, then I'm like, oh, because I can't make food this good. Mm. Do, you, do you often find yourself going to ones where you can't make food that good? Um, Yeah, I would say like things that like, oh, I don't. It's inconvenient for me to like get all of the Thai ingredients for this LARP guy dish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, um, yeah. Or like, I don't totally understand how to make uh, like some Mediterranean dishes. 
stuff like that. Makes sense. Yeah, I think it comes back to the infrastructure thing again, where it's like, yeah, like, yeah, there's all the pots and the pans and whatever, but there's also just the like uh, ingredients like, ah, oh, geez, I don't want to buy, you know, two pounds of lemongrass. Delingle? <laughs> what was that? Galangal is an ingredient in Tom Yum soup and Tom Ka soup. Huh. Never heard of that. It's it's what gives it that tang. Hmm. I thought that was the lemongrass. Well, what do I know? Uh, It is some of the, it is lemongrass and also galangal, which is like, it's kind of like red. Is that, it's a spice? Yeah. Hmm. Well, is it a spice? Hmm. Who knows what galangal is? Mysteries of galangal. See our future episode on (laughs) galangal. I'm probably saying it super wrong. <laughs> Writing that down. Okay, great. Um, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. But so you don't, it sounds like you're saying you don't often go to a restaurant where it's like food you would totally make, except they make it so good. Like, is that a thing for you? Uh, I don't think my ego would allow that. <laughs> <laughs> So do you not go to like uh, like a fine dining establishment ever? Like a place that's like oh quite no, nice? I do, I do. It's it's usually like for a special occasion or something. Mm. So it's much less frequently. And when you do that, do you, how do you uh, how do you interact with the food? Like, does it feel like oh this food is amazing, or does it feel like I really like this ambiance and that that's what's the special thing? Feels like the food is amazing. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I guess I have that similar experience where I'll, I'll like. Take that first bite and be like, oh, right, there is good food out there. <laughs> it's kind of exciting. I've been feeding myself trash. Mm, well, you do aspire to be like a seagull, so. Yeah. Well, I think all the trash animals Caca. of this world are. Yeah, I mean, this is what I've been saying all along. Caca. <laughs> um, hmm. Yeah, okay. So I think that's, uh, I don't know. I, I find it interesting that like, I don't. I don't love the fine dining thing, but I think that's just like, yeah, I really only want it for very special occasions. And it's just not me otherwise. Mm-hmm. It starts to seem like work, you know? Yeah, I don't want my, <laughs> I was going to say, I don't want my hobbies to be like work, which both makes sense and doesn't make sense. Well, here we are making this podcast. Uh, take some effort. That's true. That's true. Uh... But you know what? I, I love doing the show. Mm. Well, yeah, I don't know. I, I know. I, I think I know what you mean. Like for, for me, the experience of like, um, like I'll, I'll if someone asks for a restaurant recommendation, I'm always just like, I don't know. Uh, here is a place I go because it's very close to me or like this place is cheap. Um, but uh, I'll ask my roommates because they're um, they, they purposely try places and go like, oh, this was nice. Oh, I, yeah, I didn't really like that place. Oh, this was good. This this dish was good. Uh, but I didn't like that dish, you know, stuff like that. They seem much more thoughtful about uh, what goes into like, the actual food. And I don't know. I always mm-hmm. feel like eh, it's just like having opinions about that is just going to make me have to go to more expensive restaurants. It's so much work to have an opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes it's much less work to have an opinion because then you've decided a thing. and You don't have to revisit it. Uh, yeah, I guess that sounds nice. But if i make the choice to never visit restaurants fine dining at all then i don't know that's fine too right yeah i guess what i'm trying to say is i feel bad about this and i'm trying to explore that feeling uh 
you know, I think this is one you can just let float off right. into the feel badosphere. Goodbye, feeling. Enjoy your friends in the feel badosphere. Ooh, bye, Tim. <laughs> Thank you for setting me free. Say hi to awkward thing I said at that party. That guy hates you. Oh, oh well. Nothing to be done. <laughs> Forget it, Jake. It's in the feel badosphere. Um, do you have a type of restaurant? Uh, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, like what, what like kind of restaurant do you feel like best fits you? Like that you're just like, yeah, let's go to that kind of place. Uh, probably sushi. Yeah. It's like, if I go to sushi, you know what? I can't make sushi. I don't have the special bamboo rolly mat. And oh, like, you if don't I go to sushi, it. like guaranteed, I'm going to love it. Fair. But honey, Unless let the, me tell the you. the fish is actually spoiled. Oh, that'd be bad. I want to tell you, you can make sushi at home. You don't need the rolly thing. It is helpful. It's nice to have, but you totally don't need it. I don't know, because it's also like it's multiple steps. My style of cooking is very much like chop ingredients, put ingredients and pot, heat. Mm. Yeah. No, yeah, th that's fair. I think I, it's fairly labor intensive. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, like with sushi, there's always like weird leftover things. And I'm like, oh, what do I do with what do I do with like a third of a cup of rice? Yeah. Oh, well, and I... like one sheet of seaweed and then like uh, one piece of fish and then like a lot of celery. Yeah, I feel I feel like the, the like the rice seaweed fish like those ones usually get finished or they're fairly easy to figure out what to do. My issue is often more like. Boy, it turns out I made enough for six rolls or had enough materials for six rolls of everything, except I cut enough celery for 22 rolls. And here is a lot of celery cut in long strips. Also, huh. I just want to point something out. This is my mistake, not yours. But I don't think celery is in sushi. <laughs> uh, first off, you can put whatever you want in your homemade sushi. Yes, it will not be proper in a lot of ways. But like, you know what? It's just stuff inside rice. It's fine. Just, just I, eat it. I don't think it's going to go well. I, I don't ju think that celery is going to go well in the sushi. <laughs> I've got to agree. I don't think it's going to be tasty, but it's the sushi you made. So here we are. I think that's why it didn't get used in our sushi party. Because yeah. everyone's like, why did you cut the celery? <laughs> <laughs> the sushi party where they come in it's it's like well appointed everything's opulent and beautiful and there's this, this great like make your own sushi bar and we're like wow and there's all these just like little bowls like you know those small like cooking blog bowls with like ingredients yeah. in them and, but, yeah blog bowls uh, but, yeah. but it's just like celery and then like popcorn <laughs> they are they are just surrounding <laughs> a, Worcestershire sauce just, it's yeah it's it's nothing that goes in there there's just like <laughs> boy apples and uh brown big uh big seed mustard and uh <laughs> kool-aid i uh, how did you even expect me to roll that in there and crystal light packets <laughs> <laughs> you dust it on the top you know how they do with rose sometimes <laughs> yeah uncooked spaghetti <laughs> hmm. hey so i've got a question for you um yeah. something i've long pondered about is uh why why ethnic restaurants are so often run by um like first generation immigrants from that culture um like it makes some sense right but has that ever struck you as odd like it's yeah. very high percentage i mean it has i guess i've explained it in my head as like oh no there's probably like a strong like first generation community of this particular background whatever it is in this area it's just like this is the most front facing role 
Um, to run a restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I mean, I think it makes sense that, like, you know, uh, let's just say Ethiopian uh, people, um, like, yeah, it makes sense that there's a community, and I'm sure they're, you know, like, they all know each other. Well, maybe not all of them, but, like, I, were I moving to a new country, I would seek out people uh, who could help me kind of, like, have a safety, social safety net um, and were familiar with, like, the customs I was familiar with. Um, yeah. And but, I think another aspect is it is of it is, like, People want to like people of all backgrounds want to open up restaurants, but like the food that they want to share is probably the food that they grew up with. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. People do want to open up restaurants everywhere, but like it's your opportunity when you go somewhere because you're like now it's a value proposition. You're like, well, I know how to make injera, and so like uh, mm-hmm. that's gonna be yeah, that's actually really valuable. Whereas like you know if you were in Ethiopia, it'd be like yeah, a lot of people know how to make injera. Great. You can also you can you could start a restaurant. It's it's a rough business. Good luck. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and apparently, I also read that uh, it's it's fairly low startup costs all in all. Um, like if you can find a space that already has like a kitchen, um, like a recently closed restaurant that yeah, still has the tables and chairs. I gotta I gotta say that's probably what it is. <laughs> um, but mostly it's in labor, right? And so it's just like, as so long as you can keep your ins and your, your, your money coming in balanced with your money going out, uh, you, you don't really have to have a ton of, uh, you know, you're not investing in a ton of crazy machines or anything. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense too. If you're, if you're uh, an immigrant moving and you know, you don't really have a lot, you can leverage that. And so you make a bunch of sushi or whatever. Yeah. Or Ethiopian food. Or Mediterranean food, or something. <laughs> or several other restaurants. I'm hungry now. Are you hungry? Yeah, I'm a little hungry. You want to uh, maybe uh, go grab a bite to eat at one of these uh, many, many fine ki- kinds and types of restaurants? Absolutely, I do. All right. I'm thinking, uh, let's see. I kind of want to go to... Popeye's Chicken and Biscuit? Absolutely let's go. not. Nope, not going to happen. Um... <laughs> Maybe like a, uh, all right, fine, let's go. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> well, that's that. Uh, we'll see you next week. Until then, I'm Catherine Cogart over here. Nope, you're not. I'm Catherine Cogart over here, but you're Tim Dobbs over there. That's the twist on it. All right, whatever. Bye. Bye. Bye.